All right, good morning. Man, we have a lot of kids, don't we? Oh, it's great. It is great to see so many kids. Hey, I wanted to start today with just a little thank you. Um, I want to say, shout out to say thank you to Greg James. You know, Greg's been putting together our videos for our Reach series, and you've probably seen them online on Facebook. And uh, he does, man, he does such a great job. We've kind of entered into a partnership with him this, for this next year, and he's going to help us become more fluent in, uh, in our digital outreach. <laughs> you like that? Because it's a whole new language these days. And you've got to learn how the best way to speak this language to a digital world. And he is helping us. He and Cody are great, and they are doing some wonderful work. So thank you very much, Greg. And although I am, thank you. There you go. <laughs> although I would have to say, I, I do consider myself a Facebook professional. Um, I have still a lot to learn. You know, up until this weekend, I only had 1,745 friends. But thank you to Kelly Snyder. Where are you, Kelly? You are now my 1,746th friend. Right there. See, look at that. One, seven, four, six. And I have a lot of Facebook friends, very close Facebook friends. In fact, they go everywhere with me. They go to the park when I go to the park. I bring them to church with me. Um, we go to the restaurant together, you know, sometimes even vacation. We're all close, every one of us. What are y'all laughing about? <laughs> I mean, that's what Facebook is all about, right? True, true friendship. I do say that I do love making a new friend, though. I do, I do like making new friends because I love reconnecting with people, um, especially people in high school. You know, and I realize whenever you reconnect with someone that you have just as little in common now as you did with them then. <laughs> Even less to talk about, but, but it is good. You know, it does make me wonder how our idea of friendship has been shaped by the digital world. Do you think it's been shaped at all by kind of how we are? We think we're connected, but are we really what is true friendship anymore? What does it mean to be real friends? Now, I did want to give a fair warning today because today's lesson is going to step on some toes because it's been stepping on my toes all week long. Um, some of it's kind of hard to hear, but it, it, it's, it's not hard as much as it is kind of revealing about who it is we are and, and what it is we actually focus on today. But I do think that there are some lessons in today's Today's content that are worth remembering. So, so let's pray as we begin, and let's ask that God will speak. Our Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we are here today because we want to learn, we want to experience You. Lord, some of us are here because oh, we need forgiveness and redemption. Some of us are here because we had nothing better to do. Some of us are here because, well, we don't really want to be, but we're here. Lord, I pray that right now that you would kind of focus us all in onto what is really important for, for us today. Not only personally, Lord, but as a group. Because, Lord, we're here together. So help us to focus in on those things that are going to help us become better. Not only in our personal life, but also in the life of this church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please turn to John chapter 15. This is where we're going to be today. 
John chapter 15. Now remember, this is a series of lessons over the last two or three weeks and over this, well today and then next week, that's going to direct us all to those areas where our leadership believes we need to be focused in this coming year. Um, The vision that God has called us to. Now last week we talked about what it meant to reach up. We talked about worship. What does it mean to surround yourself with the things of God and to dwell on those things? Remember we talked about finding a scripture and keeping it close. Maybe even if it's just a part of a scripture, if the scripture is really long, but something we can take with us and hang on to throughout the week. So have you started this yet? So you don't have to answer. I've had a couple of people say, hey, I've, I've started and I've, I've got a scripture and this is what I'm focusing on. And I think that's awesome. So I hope that everyone in here has at least thought about it. And I hope that at, at the least we have plans to do that. So surround yourself with the things of God and reach up. So today we talk about the second aspect of this vision, and that is reaching in. And really this lesson, as Brian said, is about community. It's about each and every one of us in here today. It's about those of us also who are not here. We have people watching us online, whether they're halfway across the world or they just aren't able to be here through sickness or travel. But it's about you too. It's about all of us here and how we are with one another. So let's begin with this text. Now, um, to set it up, John 15 is is kind of in in the middle of these last words of of Jesus right before He's going to face the cross. Uh, at this point in John 15, we have, uh, he has maybe 18 hours left to live. He's got about three or four hours left with his apostles. So if this were you, and if you knew that you only had three or four hours left with those people most close to you, what would you say? I mean, what, what, what are those things that you have found in your life that are the most important lessons you've learned? That you're, you've got to get this out, and you've got to tell those people that are closest to you. This is where Jesus is. Three or four hours left. That's it. <laughs> and I know that Jesus has a complete trust in his Father, but you can't... I, I think, is there a part of him that was like, oh, Lord, you're going to have to do something with this, because these guys, whoo, they have a lot to learn. Three or four hours, and he's got a few things to say. So what would you tell those people closest to you? This is what Jesus says. And we're going to skip 1 through 8. Um, And I'm going to talk about verse 1 through 8 a little later in the year. I'll have a whole series that I'm going to talk about that imagery of the vine and branches. I'm excited about that. But we're going to skip that. We're going to start right at chapter 15, verse 9. So let's go ahead and start there. As the Father has loved me, so so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you 
so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So Jesus has a chance to say a few things to those people who are closest to him. People who have been following him for the past few years. And he talks about a few things. He talks about this idea of bearing fruit. You know, which a grape, it cannot do apart from a, from a vine. A branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine. Neither can we do this apart from God. Fruit is visible. It's appealing. It's sweet. It's unique. If you know how many different types of grapes there are in the world, it's amazing. It's overwhelming. You know, fruit is a sign of health. It's a sign of blessing. He tells his apostles to remain. This word remain. In fact, he uses this word probably 40 plus times in the book of John, but he uses it 10 times in this one chapter alone. Remain. Um, You may have the word abide in your Bible. Some of you may have the word stay. So he was telling these, these people to remain, to stay, to stick together with him. And this word, it is, it's this deeply relational word. And it describes a union and um, a, a relationship. And then he changes their status. I love this. He changes their status to friends. He says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. Friends. Now, sometimes we throw that word around these days, but, but when you think of someone in your life who is a true friend, who comes to mind? Then he tells them to love. He says love. And as he says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. He says, stay in my love. God loves me. He's stuck with me with all, my, all my life. So I have found you. I have stuck with you all your life. I have brought you close and I've called you friends, he says. He says, I'm sticking with you too. And he tells them it's time for you to do the same. He says, bear fruit. He says, remain. He uses the word friends and he tells them to love. Words to a group of people who would very soon be the church. The foundation for everything we know today. The body of Christ. The foundation of what we still practice. Jesus was telling these people to focus on good. To stay with God. To be friends and to love. Now flash forward to the body of Christ who meets in the small town in West Western Hemisphere and West Texas, how focused are we on these words? Bearing fruit, remaining, friendship, and love. Now, if you know me, you know that I have a lot of questions. Whenever I read Scripture, this is the only way that I can learn. I have to ask questions. Questions come into my mind, and I just start writing them down. I was sharing some with Phil the other day, and he, <laughs> it was a whole lot. And I, I feel... I'm, I feel thankful that I have Brian and Phil who actually listen to me because sometimes I feel like I just come in and barge in and talk. But I have a lot of questions. There's a lot I don't know. 
Even, even questions that I ask that, that have answers that I don't necessarily like, I have to ask the questions. So I'll just let you into my world just for a few minutes, and here are some of my questions. And I'll start with the obvious one. How important is love to our community here? I would say it's pretty important because I've experienced it. My family has. I've seen you love one another. I see people blessing each other. I see lots of people um, expressing love through missions and through ministries and through, through many of you just being here. I see it. I see, I see sinning people being wrapped up in hugs and surrounded with grace and mercy. Y'all do that to me every Sunday. Thank you. I see, I see that. I, I, I would say that love is very important to our community because I see it practiced out. Now, here's a question that may not be as easy to answer. How important is friendship to our community? I'm not talking about Facebook friends. You know, that kind of friendship that doesn't really require a lot from us. People we can just scroll right past if they're showing us something too sad or emotional or they're bragging again. I've done all those, by the way. I'm not talking about the kind of friendship where we can say anything we want about anything we want and not really expect anybody to contradict us because that's just me. I'm not talking about that kind of friendship. The friendship that requires little to no personal relationship. I'm not talking about that kind of friendship. I'm talking about real friendship. How important is real friendship to us here? Do we, here's a question, you ready? Do we come to church to make friends? I hope, right? Or do we really try to slip in and out without having to engage with anybody on any real personal level? Because we got things to do after, and we're barely here to begin with. Do we come to church to make friends, or we, do we just come to worship? Is there a difference? And how important is it for us to remain in Christ, to abide with Christ? And I know that many of us, we see this question as personal. We see this idea of remaining in, in Christ as personal. has very little to do with the community in a lot of ways. For, for, I'm speaking about myself. In a lot of ways, some, it doesn't have a lot to do with the community. Remaining in Christ to me is sometimes personal. You know, maybe it's based on our prayer life. Maybe it's based on, on our church attendance, how we feel about, about God. It's, in a lot of ways, it's all about us. And we've been heavily influenced with the Greek mindset because at some point in history, the attention and focus shifted from the community, from the family, to the individual. And the community became secondary. I don't know when that actual shift occurred. I mean, even today, think about it. When we hear of cultures, whether it's um, foreign cultures or, or other places, who they talk about the family as being more important than their life or the community being more important than them or the future of their family being more important than their future individually, we look at them and we're like, ooh, that's crazy. There's there some, some friends of mine that I knew back in, in college who were from, from China, brand new over here and. To them, it is about their community, their country. That's what's important. That's what drove everything they did. They were going to go back and help and advance and prolong their community and their family. For me, a lot of times it's just it's more self-centered. 
I think for us in our free and clear America, the individual's rights are most important. But what I found is, is two, two quotes. I'll read the first one here. And I've seen these a lot throughout my studying over the last several years, and it's just kind of popped up. No biblical person in either the Old Testament or the New Testament would have envisioned a relationship with God as anything separate from the community's relationship with God. It's hard, it's, it's hard to, to fathom, and we may think, well, it's not, it's not a personal relationship with, with God. I would say, well, yes, it is, but it's, it is the community's relationship with God because to them, the community, it was about the people of God. Jesus is, is, is creating something new here, and he is, he is fulfilling this, this promise he made to the people of God, to Abraham, who spawned this whole group of people, this whole family. He is creating a new and redeemed Israel, a nation the people of God. And when Jesus said this to his, his apostles, he knew that the Spirit was going to come to build up the body of Christ and those followers would then make up his church, his body on the earth. And he knew that these were to be his people, his body on the earth. So he tells them, remain in him, stick together, abide with one another, dwell with one another. He said, if you keep my command, then you will be to Jesus as Jesus was to God. Now, we are the body of Christ. And he says, and even in John 17, Father, I pray that that my believers are one just as you and I are one. This is how important it is to stay to remain in God, to love one another. And his command, his command was to love each other, to stick together, to remain together, to remain in him. So how will we be able to do it? With people you may or may not get along with, with people who you may find irritating or who may find you irritating, how are you going to stay with those people? Love, that's how. Now, I believe that the fruit of God, when we say, when he says we're going to bear fruit, I believe that the fruit is love. And I know we look at it as good deeds, but it's love. Because love is the fruit of the vine. It's the lifeblood of God that flows through us. That's what the blood on the cross was all about. It was about the love of God being shed for us. Now it covers us. Love is the fruit that we bear. It's the blood of God that flows through us, through his people, through the body of Christ on earth. And, and get this, love is what makes us attractive. It's what makes us appealing. Love is what makes us sweet. It keeps us connected. So in this coming year, nothing we do will matter if we aren't dedicated to being a people who love one another. Nothing will matter. In her book on John, Jamie Clark Souls, this is the same author, she says this. She says, if we are not a community with friendship and love as our key goals and markers, then we may be many things, some even useful and worthwhile, but we aren't a Christian community. I've been hearing this. Um, Phil's been talking about it. I've, I've heard it from some of you to say, you know, we can do some great things for people. We can help. We can clothe. We can feed. But if we're not proclaiming the name of Jesus or even doing it in the name of Jesus, we're just helping. We're not really doing anything that's, that's Christian necessarily. 
And I know this is... It's, because we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are Jesus on the earth. I mean, this is his body right here. As flawed as we are, he has covered us with his blood. He has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. And we are now to bless others, to put the name of God on other people, to help and to feed and to clothe and to visit the sick and to visit those in prison in the name of Jesus. That's appealing to people. When you're doing this, not out of obligation, but because you genuinely love. You love God first and foremost, and, and because He loved you, and because Jesus loved you, then I love you. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Remain in my love, He said. And then He says, then your joy will be complete when you do this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down His life for His friends. And I know we want to be people who reach in. I know that. We want to be people who can really have a good community here. And I see it. I see it all the time. But we have a vision that we are going to be a people of great love. How many friends in this room would you be willing to lay down your life for? I mean, there is no greater love than that. And of course, we may never have to make that choice. And laying down our life doesn't always necessarily end in death either. We tend to think, oh yeah, I'll die for someone. But what about laying down a couple of hours for one another? What if we lay down our life one hour at a time? And do we have enough love for those people in this room right here that we could give them five hours? hours a week now I said three but Phil said no you need to say five because you have service projects you got things to do together you got small groups so I'm gonna I'm gonna say five are we friends with these people in this room or do we love one another enough that we can lay down at the least five hours of our life for one another each and every week and I know that when we come, a lot of times we come to get, we come to receive, we come to hear and to be encouraged and inspired, to learn. I, I've, I've done that too. We come for us a lot of times, so when the sermon isn't that great and the music isn't all that, or, or maybe the lights are dimmed or dimmed way too long, or, or, or maybe, maybe whenever um, someone is saying something to you and it's a little offensive, maybe the Bible class isn't that great. Maybe, maybe the teachers aren't that deep or not, not that exciting. Then a lot of times if, if any of those var- variables are negative, we feel as if we've kind of wasted our spiritual time. I've been there. Because when we come for us, when we come for us, we aren't focused on anything or anyone that isn't helping me feel better about myself. It's as if thousands of people are gathering in congregations across America, listening and singing as if they're the only ones there. I'm saying, I've done this, guys. I still do it every once in a while. This is hard because, because if church is about me, then everything better just be perfect because if one little error or inconvenience and we'll start looking for a church that might just have something that I might really like better. 
So here's the vision. What if we chose to come to this place, gathering with this group of people, and we chose to focus on our church family first? The body of Christ, one another. What if this year we chose to be a church that dedicated itself to loving one another, knowing that any time we gather in the name of Jesus, it is not a waste of our spiritual time. Knowing that any time, whether it's in this room, whether it's in small groups, whether it's meeting on a, on just in somebody's home, any time we meet together, it is valuable. What if we became a church filled with people who were ready to lay down at least five hours of their week to one another freely? And think about it. If these five hours are no longer ours, then it's okay if we endure a sermon that's way too long like the one today. It's okay if the songs don't really hit us that well or if it's old songs or, or even some of those crazy new songs or maybe if these five hours aren't necessarily ours, it's okay if we aren't greeted by somebody who knows us, who may think we're still a visitor after we've been here for 10 years. It may be, it may be okay because these five hours a week aren't ours that they belong to the body of Christ and because we have laid them down, Lay down our life one hour at a time for our friend. It's okay if someone takes our seat. <laughs> wow, that one hit close to home, didn't it? <laughs> You're kind of shuffling. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when we first got here, we were, you know, sitting around and we sat right there. And then Steve sat in the very front row. I'm like, man, that guy's religious. And he looks back. He says, it's because you took my seat. (laughs) He didn't say it like that. (laughs) What he told me is he said, you know what? I I need to be on the front row. Isn't it funny how the little things, what if we just lay down our hour and we just chose to give? I mean, what if we came to church to find friends? Each Sunday you're meeting somebody new, even if y'all have both been going here for 15 years. That's okay. What if our focus was on one another? Friends. And I've heard this a lot because this is crazy to me. For those people who think that you can have Christ without the church, you're just flat wrong. Yeah, go to the woods, go wherever and worship, that's great, but you've got to have the body of Christ. I mean, how can you be a Christian if you ignore a son? It's taking me a while to get there. Jesus laid down his life for us, not only in death, but also in life. Can we not do the same for one another? And when we do, I think we'll create this atmosphere of friendship, real friendship, hospitality, love, and visitors become guests. You know, visitors are people who show up unannounced, but guests, ah, they're special people we plan for. We're ready for them. What if we had never had another visitor in our life here in this in this church? We just had guests that we'd been expecting. How would that change somebody's first time experience here? How would that change the way they worship? How would that change the way we worship? And this kind of atmosphere, I guarantee you, in the name of Jesus, it will attract 
people to our church family because it's not the preaching, it's not the singing or the emotional connection or experience. It's, it's about life filled with friendship and love. It's open, gracious, merciful, forgiving, friendly love. That's attractive. If you want to know why so many people, especially in high schools and colleges, gravitate to certain groups, it's because those are probably the only groups that accept them. And you wonder why people end up going way this direction and not from the church. It's probably because at some point the church said, eh, I don't really know what to do with you. And your life really doesn't look like what we are. This is not the image we're trying to convey to the outside world. And so they'll say, wow, I don't, will these people accept me? They may not want to stay in that group, but you know what? They'll stay because they're the only ones who accept them. What if we focused on accepting people, loving them, not to leave them where they are, but to love them. And so transformation begins through the love because love is corrective. True love is corrective. You will, you will want to become better whenever you know you're loved. When you feel it, Facebook is, is not corrective. It's just noise. But if you have a personal relationship and a conversation with someone and they say something that is vile and offensive, they may not even realize it. And in love, you can say, hey, do you realize those words that just came out of your mouth? They may think, oh, I didn't realize it sounded like that. True love is corrective. Do you think Jesus loved his apostles and let them stay where they were? No. But that's appealing. To know that someone loves me enough that no matter what I do, they're going to stick by me, remain with me. So I'm going to challenge you this week. I'm sorry I'm long, but I'm going to challenge you to lay down at the least five hours each week. Give it to Christ. Give it to his body. Because if we do not love one another, then nothing else we do will matter. Amen? I think that needs an amen. Nothing will matter. So it all starts right here. It all starts right now. So I want to show what people, what real friendship looks like. What real love looks like. Friendship with one another. Friendship with God. And so we can stick together. We can remain together. And I'm just going to encourage you. Let's be people who love. Because when we do, we will find that joy that is going to be complete in us. We'll see God. It's a big vision to be this kind of church. But I really think we're close. What could we do we were to lay down our life for one another i'm just going to encourage you to respond we're going to sing here in a second i'll be down here shelly will be here with me if you want to pray with us elders will be all around pray with them pray for them but don't leave here without deciding something in the name of jesus let's sing